This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Well, it's morning for me right now, but it might be afternoon or the middle of the night for you. So good whatever time of day it is. My name is Alex Fitton, and this is the Adoptive Mom Podcast, Season 3, Episode 7. Today on the show, I'm introducing you to Jeanette Tapley, who hosts the podcast, It's Time for Coffee. Jeanette is our people, you guys. She's hilarious. She's wise. She loves Jesus. She's as obsessed with pop culture as I am, and we know that's important. And she is, you guessed it, an adoptive mom. Jeanette and her husband, Jesse, have two bio boys, and they adopted their daughter, Zoe, internationally a few years ago. So before we jump into her episode, I want to share some exciting things with y'all. You know how I've been talking to you about joining my email team? Well, to celebrate National Adoption Month, I am sending an AMP sticker to every single new subscriber for the whole month. When you sign up, you get the weekly episode right in your inbox, plus special notes and links and discount codes from me just for Team AMP. You don't want to miss out, so head to theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email and sign up to receive your free sticker for free. It's going to be awesome. Also, I'm getting everything together to officially launch the AMP community page on Facebook. This will be a special group for listeners and guests to connect. I will be doing exclusive live interviews and updates in there, so you don't want to miss out, and I'll share more later when it's ready to go. Um, so I think that's it. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my good friend, Jeanette. All right, guys, like I said a second ago, um, let's all welcome Jeanette Tapley. I am so excited, Jeanette, to have you on because you're another podcaster, and that makes me really happy to talk to someone else who does this. So, hi, how's it going? Hey, it's so good. I'm so happy to hang out with you. It's so much fun. And um, I mean, I know who you are, but why don't you introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? So, I would say, hey, friends, um, I'm Jeanette, <laughs> and I am the wife to Jesse. We've been married for um, almost 14 years. And I'm the wife to, I mean, I'm the mother. <laughs> I am not the wife to my children. You got some sister wife thing going on now. <laughs> uh, they think I'm their wife because they boss me around. Um, I am the mom to Ezekiel, Titus, and Zoe. Um, Zeke is 12, Titus is 10, and Zoe is 8. So we um, are just in that kind of fun stage where our kids are a little bit bigger. And um, they're like real people now. So that's fun. We were talking about this before we started recording about how she can just like, I mean, listen, you guys, this is going to blow your minds. She, if she needs to like go to the store or something, she can just like go to the store. Yeah. I and don't take them with me. It's amazing. I don't understand. Like I'm not comprehending. There's, there's yeah, a disconnect. It's, <laughs> it's a magical time. Uh, like I went, I went and picked up dinner for them today. I'm like, y'all be right back. So I went and picked up food and I came back and fed them. So nobody had any demands about what you listen to on the radio or um, because one kid was spitting at another kid or it, that didn't happen. It just like didn't happen. It didn't. I listened to a podcast and oh it was gosh. magical. <laughs> Seriously hating you right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, and like you said, I am a podcast host. I host a podcast called It's Time for Coffee, where we um, sit and talk with other friends about life and their stories and just kind of 
uh, make and meet new friends all over the world. Yes, it's so fun, you guys. Her podcast is awesome. Um, I listened to it after I saw another a friend of mine who was a guest on her podcast that posted a picture of herself recording. And I was like, okay, I've got to figure out who this girl is. And then I looked at your Instagram and you were an adoptive mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, what has happened? How am I not friends with her? And then we became friends like the next day. <laughs> we did. We like hit it right off. And I love that. I think that's just the beauty of the internet right now. There are some like shady parts, but there, I hope that sounded like <laughs> shady. <laughs> there are some shady <laughs> Jeanette has braces, so <laughs> and they're fairly new, so it might sound like I'm swearing, but I swear I'm not. You know what? That's uh, allowed on this podcast. It's fine. Okay, okay. So there are some shady parts of the internet, but there's also just like the connections that happened so fluidly, where like you and I text and Marco Polo like every single day now, and Jesse's <laughs> like, "Oh, Alex again." I'm like, "Yeah, it's Alex." <laughs> I love it. I know. Brian's the same. Like, he, like, we're household names to each other, and we've never met. It's kind of fun. And uh, we have like some really fun stuff coming up that we're collaborating on. But before we talk about that stuff, you said earlier, you know, you have three kids, and one of them does not look like the others. So tell us about that. So Zoe, our little girl, is adopted from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And um, as a lot of adoptive moms or parents know that that was a really hard adoption. Uh, we started the process um, basically the same month the Congo shut down. Um, so that was, it was, um, Jesse can tell you the exact like days, but it was like three years in process with her, um, which in the grand scheme of adoption isn't too terribly long. Um, but she is, she, she in August is or will be her three year home date. So we'll have a big party for her, which mostly means we'll say, where do you want to eat dinner? And she'll pick <laughs> Panda Express <laughs> and we'll go celebrate her. So one other thing about Zoe is she is deaf. Uh, so as a family, we use ASL to communicate with her. And one of our biggest questions we ask all the time is um, if we knew she was deaf going into her adoption process. And our answer is yes. Um, it's actually the main reason we chose her. So on those days where adoption is really hard and her deafness takes a toll on me, I have to remember that like I willingly chose her because of it. And that's kind of a slap in the face sometimes when it's the thing I hate the most. I'm like, this is this is why I chose you. Yeah. And I love that. And that's it's so much fun because uh, like she said, their whole family does ASL. And so one of my favorite things is asking Jeanette how to say random things in ASL. And it's so fun. Uh, well, it started because it was such a funny thing because we were Marco Polo, Marco Poloing. <laughs> I guess it's a verb now. It's a word. Now. And I said Zoe wanted to go to Zoe wanted a Whataburger, so she told me she wanted a Whataburger, so I have to go to Whataburger now. And you're like, hold on, <laughs> how did she say Whataburger? So I just show you how we sign Whataburger. I'm like, it's better than Panda Express. Zoe loves Panda Express. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> ah, I love Panda Express too. I know. I know. Um, that honey walnut chicken though. My gosh. We don't have that one. What? We only have like orange chicken and a couple other ones. Like there's not very good options. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's, I don't know. I mean, our Panda Express is still not, it's still, it's still fast food, but whatever. Um, okay. So 
I want to hear all about your adoption story. You know, you said it was hard. And it's interesting to note, you guys were like babies when you even started having kids, right? Yes, we were very young. And so when you started this process, how old were you when you just like were like, hey, I think we might want to adopt? What did that whole thing look like? That's really funny because we were 27. I was 27. So Jesse was 29. Um, and so we were like, we're called to adopt, let's do this. And we knew we wanted Africa. And so we just kind of like started looking at all of the countries in Africa's, um, requirements. And I was on the, I was on the phone with this agency and they're like, okay, well, so they gave me all their information and she was like, okay, well tell me about you and your husband. And I was like, okay, we met the, the, um, criteria of being married long enough. Cause we got married at um, 18 and 20. So we got married oh super young. <laughs> so young. Uh, so we met that easily. And she's like, okay, well, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 27. My husband's 29. And she's like, I'm so sorry. In this country, I think it was Burundi. You had to be 30 to adopt from there. And so I'm like, you're telling me I'm not old enough to adopt? I have two kids. <laughs> how am I not old enough? And so so then that really was like the awakening of like having to go through each country to see what their requirements were. And that really um, took out for us real quick. Like even Haiti, we couldn't adopt from Haiti because we weren't old enough. Goodness, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. A lot of countries you have to be um, 30, some say 25, some say 30, but you have to be married for at least 10 years. Well, you fit that one. So. Yeah, we got that one. We nailed that. So biggest concern when we started adopting was that it was going to take too long. Our boys are two years apart, and I didn't want there to be this massive gap between our son Titus and our next child. And so I felt like we needed to do everything as fast as we could. Um, so we like jumped on it. Like We're called to adopt in January. In April, we had our home study done. And... Um, Actually, that next July, even, we started doing all the dossier paperwork for the Congo. So it was just kind of like, once we realized Congo was going to be our country, we talked to a couple other families who had adopted from there, and then we um, just kind of dove in head first. We had to pick an agency, and Matt was kind of tricky um, because the Congo was getting a little sticky, mm-hmm. um, but our agency, like, open, you know, open-armed <laughs> Because they make money. <laughs> They're yeah. like, yeah, we want you. And so we, um, the crazy thing is we like jumped in, had a home study, had everything done. Um, and they assigned us with the child immediately. And we're like, yes, this is awesome. Like the Lord's just like knocking down doors for us. And six weeks to huh, like maybe a month later, we got a picture of our daughter who was going, who's going to be our daughter. And it would look like a totally different child. It was a different child. Like, I'm, I almost can promise you they had swapped our child. Hmm. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. But there's still that elatement of like, okay, this is my kid. Like, this is what I'm doing. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Something happened. Her family came back for her. Um, you lost a referral. And I was like, oh. So that whole thing seems really fishy to me. Yeah. And now, what, like five or six years removed, I can be like, Mm, something was up Hmm. um especially as we've heard more stories come out of um you know what is it like incorrect stuff that happened in congo yeah um which is a bummer it's it's such a bummer when money gets involved with um 
countries who have so little, how much corruption really can happen. Yeah. Um, and so that's been one of the devastating things that we've had to kind of um, address within our community, our adoption community. Um, so that le- that landed us in, like, I'm not going to give you the month by month, but it's important right here. That landed us in August. In September, Congo shut down completely. Um, they said, we're not allowing kids out right now. Um, we're revamping the whole adoption process. We'll talk to you guys soon. I was like, high five, we'll talk to you guys soon. But, like, our adoption agency is still processing adoptions. So it's like, um, they're still handing out referrals. They're still doing the work they need to do, even with their lawyers. Like, everything is still processing. The government shut down, though. And so... It was super weird. So, but, like, it had happened a few months before that where it took, like, a week and they're like, okay, we're back open. Um, so it was a really weird situation. We just had faith that they would open back up. Yeah. And then, um, so I emailed our agency every week. Do you have a referral for us? Do you have a referral for us? Like, then it's turned into every two weeks and then every, once a month. And during one of those monthly emails, I said, hey, what's the deaf situation like there? are? Is there, like, a deaf orphanage or is there um is that a need because in uganda um there's like a really big deaf orphanage Mm -hmm. and so we had known of that but we're like maybe there's no deaf people in congo we don't know and the reason we asked was jesse was um raised around deaf people like his whole life so he like he knew deaf people a lot he had a deaf friend in high school he had a deaf girlfriend in college um my biological dad he was an interpreter and so like um and then my cousin actually is an interpreter as well. And so this um, heart and passion for the deaf community was always in our hearts. And my mom even <laughs> I was pregnant with one of the boys. And she said, wouldn't it just be so interesting if God gave you a deaf child? And I'm like, first of all, I'm pregnant. Like, don't say these things. <laughs> yeah, me. exactly. I'm like 12 years old and pregnant. And you're like <laughs> scaring me. <laughs> and I'm like, we would, we would be totally fine if that happened. And I told her, I was kind of being snarky with her, but I was like, if he did, we would move to California because in our community where we lived in Alaska, there was no, nothing for deaf people. So I was like, we would move like, Hmm, how you like that? <laughs> so, so, I emailed her that question and she was like, let me, let me check into it. Okay. And so then like however much longer later, she referred us this sweet little girl named Naomi, gave us Naomi. We signed on the dotted line, was totally happy. The next day they put it out in our Facebook group. Who was the family that wanted the deaf child? And I'm like, well, now we're adopting two little girls from the Congo. And Jesse's like, uh, no, we're not. Cause that is, <laughs> Not in our budget. Uh, <laughs> like, no, we're not. <laughs> so, so then we were really led with this situation of how do you pick between two little girls who who you know need somebody? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, she said, "Get back to me." Like, okay, just get back to me. And so we sat down over breakfast one one morning. Uh, took the kids to school and went to this cute little um restaurant we have. Sat down and we both just kind of looked at each other like we know the answer. Like, would you, what would you do? What would you do? Just kind of like, like, could we do this? Could we take on a deaf child? Um, and that's why I say, like, we chose her because of her deafness. Mm-hmm. Um, our agency told us in a really kind but honest way, like, we know that if you say no to Naomi, this little girl, um, her name was Rosette, this little deaf girl, Rosette, we don't know that we can find somebody else for her. 
Mm. And um, so that could have been guilting, but at the same time, like, it was very honest. Yeah. And so we just kind of sat back and we were like, okay, well, what do we do? And Jesse's like, I say we go for it. And I was like, I knew you were going to say that. And so, so I knew it too, like deep in our hearts. Like it was just, it was the obvious step for us. Um, and so Rosette, who is now Zoe, um, was in an orphanage for about 18 months before she came home to us three years ago. Wow. Crazy. So along that process, like all of our papers processed really quickly, everything like went really, really fast because her um, case was just pretty easy, I think. Um, but then we had to wait for um, the Congo to allow kids out, which was really hard. Mm. I was about to ask, so after you guys made that decision um, at the coffee shop, how long was it from then until she came home? It was... Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. At least... Uh, it was like 19, 20 months. Good. 19, Great. 20 months, yeah. I'm yeah, not a patient really person. Hard. I wouldn't... No... It was really hard, and it was like we had one, we had two Christmases without her, maybe. Yeah, we had to have two Christmas. Anyways, we had like we sent Christmas presents to the orphanage, and we um, skyped her a couple times. Um, she was legally ours four months later, so all of that time it was like our daughter, our 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 daughter was so far away from us, and we could do nothing about it. Mm. So Jesse went over one time. And stayed with her. He like moved her from the orphanage to a foster home, which was time for that, you know, time for that to happen. But um, which that story in and of itself is crazy because he meets these two amazing um, African women. One is our lawyer. One is her orphanage mama, um, who has cared for this little girl for us for eighteen months. And they hand this little thing, this little girl, over to this giant white man, <laughs> and and then they leave him with her. And he was like. <laughs> am I allowed to give her a bath? Like she needs a bath. Is that okay to do? And I'm like, well, you're her dad. Yeah. And he's like, this is so weird. <laughs> like, it's so hard. But she like went into his arms. Like she accepted in that moment. Like, okay, like, here we go. Here's our next journey. And so then from that point on, from that point when he had her in May, it was just three months until she came home. And did you both go to get her or just one of you? No, just Jesse. He did all Aww. of the flying. I didn't have um, all the vaccinations, and I don't think he trusted me to fly out of country. <laughs> <laughs> so he did all the heavy lifting on that. Oh, gosh, that's hilarious. But um, so now you have a daughter, and that's so fun because before you were a hashtag boy mom. Yeah, and, rowdy boys, little girl. Yeah, and from, from what I hear, she's pretty girly, right? Like she's kind she, of a diva. Oh, gosh, she is the most diva. She's really cool in the sense of, like, she's the daughter I want to raise. She, her and her best friend um, will have, I have this picture of them, and it's it needs to be blown up and framed. They are full gowns, like princess gowns, makeup, everything, standing, hands on the hip, watching their daddies skin a deer. I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, don't be afraid of anything messy. And then they're like, now we're going to the ball. Bye. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So she, um, she really is the girliest thing. I have to hide her makeup from her because she'll make a mess. And she puts on way too much. Jesse gets so frustrated. Um, 
but yeah, she's she's so girly. She'll go out and paint her nails uh, like every day if I let her. Like she's just. We haven't really dealt with like how what colors look good together. We're working on that, so she doesn't have the greatest fashion sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but when she was in Africa, this is one of my favorite stories. When she was in Africa, we were skyping, and one of the men said, um, "We asked her what we what can we get her for Christmas," and they said she wants to be a something fashion, and I'm like, "Oh, clay. She wants to fashion something. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, like a Barbie, like fashion. I'm like, oh, send a Barbie." send a Barbie with clothes. And they're like, no, she wants to be a fashion girl. You know, a model. I'm like, <laughs> this girl's been in an orphanage for 18 months and she wants to be a fashion girl? What do y'all watch? Do you have TV? Like, <laughs> what's happening? And so, she is our little fashion girl. <laughs> does she, in fact, want to be a model? She does. Every once in a while. Well, right now she tells me that she wants to go to college I'm going to college and I'm not getting married like you. I'm like, oh, hey, thanks. Thanks for shaming me, daughter. Yeah. I'm like, I like to imagine you. you two having like silent fights with each other. Oh, yeah. So we have some friends at church and they're, they like, Zoe's getting trouble in the parking lot. So I'm like signing frantically. My face is very obvious that I'm frustrated and she's like sad and kind of like whatever. And they're like, look, children, Zoe's getting in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's true. So yeah, it's very, um, she's a, she's a, really great deaf person because she is so dramatic she is so flamboyant with her like hands and her face and her storytelling is really really fun to watch um but with that deaf people deaf person that deaf person personality if she doesn't want to talk to you she'll straight up not look at you or close her eyes (laughs) i never even thought about that ignoring on a whole new level Oh, yeah. Just, like, close your eyes. And I do it to her sometimes, too. I'm like, I'm ignoring you. <laughs> I'll close my eyes. and <laughs> We're the same person. <laughs> it's really bad. But, yeah, she's she's the sassiest <laughs> little thing. I like to tell people she's a firecracker. Like, there's that loud pop where it's like, ah! But then there's, like, this beauty in the sky. Like, yeah. she's just that. Um, she's a loud pop. You always know she's around, but she's super, super fierce and beautiful. Oh, I love it so much. It's so, and, and I always laugh at your Zoe's stories, really just all of your stories. That's something that I think makes your podcast really fun is that you're, um, I don't know, you're just, you're very animated and you're a good storyteller and you always have something fun and funny to say. Um, so I think that, you know, your story, your adoption story and just your family's choice to say yes to hard things probably had a lot to do with you deciding to do a podcast and just share more of, of yourself and your, your family and your personality. And so what, um, you know, what added to that story? You know, what was attachment like? What, uh, what was it like in those first few years? What did your boys think? What are some of those harder things that, um, affected your story? Yeah, that's so good. Um, I was really worried about how attachment would look with her. Um, Mostly because she came home and we loved her so deeply. Like, there was no question about it. Um, And so she'll tell you, um, I came home. Dad and Zoe flew on an airplane. I came home and mom cried a lot. Like, because I just (laughs) broke down at the airport. Um, And she'll tell you, like, there's a ton of people and I was sad. Um, 
I think honestly, our attachment process was so awesome and so fast because we gave her language. Um, she was four, almost five, and had nothing. Mm. If she wanted something or to communicate with you, she dragged you or she screamed. And so, or she pointed or she mimicked, you know. So, like, we really sat down and gave her words. Um, even I remember telling people when they'd be like, How can we pray for you guys? I'm like, Just pray that it clicks with her that she's supposed to use her hands to speak. Like, that's. I just need her little brain to realize that this is how she's going to talk from now on. Um, and so with that, there is some times where she's like, I'm not deaf. I'm hearing. And I'm like, well, nope, you're still deaf. <laughs> like, Always deaf. God made In, you deaf. Incorrect. Like, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am hearing now. I'm like, well, you can't hear. So you're not hearing. Um, so we gave her like, and I don't mean like we were this great savior of people, but like we just offered her this thing that we had for her. Mm-hmm. Um, much like we offered her a family. We offered her love. We offered her just one other thing, stability. And then on top of that here, this is how you're going to communicate. Um, so attachment was really quick. The first six months, I can tell you totally, honestly, I don't remember. Like <laughs> I, I could go back and be like, Oh yeah, a few things happened. But like, we came home, she came home, the boys started school, and so she came home, we had the meet the teacher day, two days later. So we, like, broke rules, where it's like, cocoon and stay home, and yeah. don't go anywhere, and we're like, we have to go meet the teachers now. So we took her in to meet the teacher, that was kind of a nightmare, and then I had to walk the boys into school for some reason the first day of school, which means I had Zoe on my hip, which means I left her brothers for the first time. In her, without her being able to understand, uh, which means I walked out of the school. She was screaming and biting and pulling my hair, and I'm smiling because I'm sweating profusely. And it was one of the first times that I was like, "Somebody's gonna think I'm kidnapping this kid." Yeah, like, oh my gosh, this person doesn't look like me, and she's screaming and clawing the walls. Luckily, our principal at the time um, has adopted grandkids from Haiti. And so she was like, here, what can I help you with? Like, she really ushered me out in a great way. Um, But, yeah, so I think just the understanding of time and language and then understanding her. We didn't – so we cocooned as best as we could. But when I saw how well she did outside of our home, um, how some kids look for other people to connect to. I can't remember what that's called. But – when they, like, go sit on other people's lap or take food from other people and, like, try to force that bonding with other people. She Mom wasn't shopping. like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, we would go to church and she would run away from us and always come back home. Like, yeah. she would always come check in with us. And once I realized that that was the case, I was like, oh, we're not cocooning anymore. Because I was getting depressed cocooning. She was not doing well cocooning. And when I realized, like, um, she needed people just as much as I did. I was like, oh, we're done with this. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need a cocoon anymore. You know, okay, I have so many thoughts. So first of all, yeah. I think it's really the the concept, because we've talked about this before. Uh, we're both extroverts, and I've thought about cocooning, and I'm like, I would go insane. Like, not yes. being able to, that would, not being able to share my life with some, with anyone else, or like what I'm going through, I would go crazy. But I think it is so interesting that your daughter is deaf and is also an extrovert because you would oh. think that those two things wouldn't go together. Like naturally you would just have to be a little bit more introverted, but I think it's such a fascinating concept. 
Yeah, she has such a dynamic personality. She makes friends everywhere we go. It makes Jesse and I so uncomfortable. Not for her, but for the people that she's like, come here. Like, at the pool is the perfect example. She'll meet little girls at the pool, and she'll have them cartwheeling into the pool and performing into the pool. All of this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> these poor girls probably don't even want to be with her. So I'm always like, hey, Zoe, come over here. And they're like, oh, where's Zoe going now? And so, like, she leads, she leads so well um just naturally which is really funny yeah you would think her deafness would like hinder her but she's like it only makes her shine a little bit more that is so cool but um yeah I just I think that we've explained it on the podcast before but just really quick can you give us a recap for those who don't know or who are maybe tuning in for the first time what is cocooning oh that's a great um so cocooning is where they say where they say where adoption experts, I should say, um, say that you should spend time at home in your home with your family for X amount of time. I think, gosh, I think people go as far as to say like six months. I was about to say, I think it's six months. I can't like, because you want to like throw up a little bit. Um, so it's where you are at home with your people. You, you are the only one to give food to the child. You are the only one to, to meet the child's needs and to, um, really be the sole caregiver, which makes sense because you, you may have missed out. I mean, like we missed out on five years of being Zoe's sole caregiver, but, um, it's just, it's supposed to be this bonding time where you meet every need, which, right. Whew, can we just say like, that sounds exhausting. And it I bet is. it is. But for these kids, I mean, it makes sense for so many of them because yes. they've had caregivers in and out and they don't understand yes. that you're different from that. And so I get it, but it does sound exhausting. It isn't there. There's like an integration process where like first you bring grandparents Mm -hmm. in and then you bring close friends in, but like into your world and then venture out. So that's why your story, you know, and I just want to highlight these things for anyone who doesn't know or doesn't understand why your child was pulling your hair and clawing and biting you as you're walking out of the school. But she just saw you leave your kids somewhere yes. and yep. she has no concept that that's not like your your next stop is not for her yeah well and she doesn't understand that we're gonna have them back in six hours um one of the things she probably saw the most was kids leaving her orphanage and never coming back um which is a great thing because that means they're being adopted and she was from a smaller orphanage and i will say i've talked to i have great relationships with the other two of the other moms that have adopted from our orphanage and the both of those kids attached really well so i think they that means they were really well loved and cared for Mm -hmm. um, by their orphanage mamas because i think if three kids come home and do all right something is happening correctly at that orphanage that's amazing so so yeah it was if there was one super huge mistake I made, it was um, Jesse being at work. <laughs> I'll blame him. Jesse being at work that day and then having to go into the school to drop them off. I mean, probably dropping them off in general. I probably should have just had somebody else drop them off. But mm. hindsight. Yeah. So talk to me about your boys. Do, so they know ASL as well, right? They do. So Which Zeke so and Titus. Cool. Yeah, they sign. Zeke said the other day, man, I need to be a little bit better at signing everything for her. Um, So Zeke and Zoe are a little bit more bonded than Titus and Zoe. But I think that's because Titus is um, our natural baby. And I have 
Um, so I'll finish that thought in a second. But they're really sweet with her. Every once in a while, Titus and Zoe will get in a huge fight, and I'll be like, oh, well, we better just send her back to Africa. And he's like, that's so mean. Why would you say that? And I'm like, I'm just <laughs> obviously kidding. Um, but they, somebody asked me the other day, like, how they are. And I was like, they are siblings through and through. Like, she loves them so much, and they love her so much. And um, our oldest, Zeke, has been doing a lot of um, reading on the civil rights movement with 12, I feel like is a little extreme, but he, um, it, I could like just cry for, for it because he is so compassionate and he is so concerned with why people would treat people of other colors or, um, differences differently than, than this little white boy that he is. And so he, in school last year, it was when they started reading about all of it. And he was like, I have seen my sister be treated differently. One, because she's black. Two, because she's deaf. And people don't think she can hear what they're saying. He's like, but I do. And he's like, so I'm learning how to stand up for her in a different way. So it's this precious thing that he's learning, this compassion. And, um, like, I've let him read probably bigger books than I should. But he understands and he has a he has a heart for um this community that I think whew, wrecks my world. And I remember praying like there was nights I would lay in bed during our adoption process, just knowing that adopting a child from a hard place was going to wreck our boys. Mm-hmm. They were going to be different. Um, their faith was going to be different. Their family was going to be different. Like their mom and dad would be different after this. And um, the Lord just whispered so clearly to me every time, let wreck them, let me wreck them. And I was like, Oh, all right, like they're going to be wrecked and it's going to be for the better. And so the cool part now is like, if I ask them like, well, if, and when you get married, like, do you want to have, do you want to adopt? And they're like, yes, we will adopt. I'm like, well, that's so neat. So it's really cool. And then, um, oh, I forgot what story I was going to go back to. Turn it. Hey, you know what? That's okay. Uh, while you're thinking about it, let me ask you a little bit more of a surface level question, but I always am so curious. Uh, what's the hair situation? Did you have to do like some research there or do you go to the beauty shop for like eight hours? I mean, I hear different moms do different things. Oh yeah. Okay. So we did everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, at first I would like comb her hair on the bathtub because she had shaved her head, like her head was shaved. And I was like, I don't know why moms are complaining. This is so easy to come out. And then it grew. <laughs> and so we actually met this really sweet woman early on. Um, her name is Miss Angelina. And she was from the Congo. And so that was such a cool connection. She would come over every six weeks and um, braid Zoe's hair. Like she would braid um, box braids basically. Like um, she'd braid hair into her hair, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so we did that for a while. But it's still like... When, when I have to take the braids out, it's a six-hour day to take the braids out. And then it's a six-hour day to comb the braids out or comb her hair out and disangle. And then um, I had a friend. Um, I thought one day I did a really cute little twist style on her. And I sent her to school. And I got a text from her teacher. And it said, hey, Miss King is going to fix her hair for you. I'm like, oh, man. What? I thought I did a good job. And so Miss King is African-American. And I was like, okay, fine. So she sent me a video like, hey, if you're going to twist, this is how to twist. I'm like, oh, oopsies. And so <laughs> then she said, hey, would you let me, um, her daughter's the same age as Zoe. How about Zoe comes to spend the night at my, spend a night at my house and I will braid her hair while she's there. I'm like, have a good night. <laughs> like, 
see you later. <laughs> and so she took <laughs> Zoe every, like, she took her twice, I think, um, and had her spend the night and do her hair. And then sweet Miss King says to me one day, you know what I would do if I were you? And I just looked her dead in the eye. So I was like, if you were white. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. <laughs> like, what? And she's like, I would get sister locks for her. And she had just had her hair sister locked. So she's like, this is what you need to do for Zoe. So sister lock is like this micro dread, basically. Like, it's a micro lock. And it's um, super expensive to start. and But it's Zoe's natural hair. Um, it grows pretty quickly. She goes in every eight weeks for a touch-up or a um, retighten. So they basically, like, take... Like, if we were going to get our roots done, they just go in and they take that little bit that's grown out and they retighten it or, like, tighten it. And then, like, we just hit... We're almost at a year with these locks. And she can swim without a swim cap on. She shampoos it with suave shampoo of all things. That's great for her hair, suave. Huh. And <laughs> it is... Like, my dream come true. And for a while, we're like, no, we don't want to do it. It's too expensive. All that stuff. And um, I was combing her hair out one day, and she was crying. um, Because it's not fun to get your hair combed out. And Jesse looked at me, and he goes, could you stop hurting her? Uh, And I was like, oh, here's the coconut oil. Here's the water. Here's the comb. Have at it. Yeah. And he's like, no, like, you're really hurting her. And I'm like, there's no way to get around detangling hair without hurting a child. Like, it's just how it is. And so he was like, let's look into this. And so it has been such a, um, a such a great thing. And we get to sit, we get to go to the salon every eight weeks. We've made awesome friends there. Um, Zoe knows that in that chair, she gets whatever she wants. It's only a two hour appointment now, two and a half hours. That's not um, bad. So, no, it's, but to get them done was 26 what? hours. Yeah. What? Yeah. Did you just yeah. go like two days in a row or three days in yeah, a row? Yeah, no, we just went for two days. Like we went, we got there at like seven o'clock in the morning Saturday, left at like seven or eight that night. Went back seven o'clock Sunday morning. That night we left at like eleven. It oh was my gosh! So long. Did you like was, read several books or? We watched. So they have they have a movie TV in there, and we watched so many movies. And so we. Like I said, like she knows when she's in that chair, she gets whatever she wants because that 26 hours set her up for whatever. Yeah. Like, I want the iPad. Here's the iPad, baby. What else? Would you, would you like gummies? Do you want gum? Do you want candy? Do you want, <laughs> do you want pizza? I don't care. You can have whatever you want. Like, just sit here. And I'm like, soda? What? Oh, here you go. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's, but it is the best. Like, her hair now, um, even, even right after we got it done, I was like, oh, yeah. We'll never go back. Um, and so since it's locked, like, um, she'll, she'll be able to grow it out forever. And if she ever wants it done, like, if she's ever done with it, she can shave it and and not have locks anymore. But I will punch her. <laughs> <laughs> so much time. Oh so much gosh. time. So much money over the years. So it's great. But, like, she can grow it out in, like, in a couple of years. Like, if she wanted it to, like, have a different hairstyle, like, she could cut it into a different hairstyle. It's great. That's so cool. I always, I always like to ask those things because my kids, my, my adopted kids are, uh, are both white. And so I don't really have any cultural differences per se. So I always want to ask those questions because I know that lots of listeners do. And, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So my sister-in-law is, uh, actually from Cameroon and 
I have another friend who has a daughter who's African-American and she went over and helped her with her hair one day. Oh. My sister-in-law did. And so I love making those connections. It's really fun. Yeah. So it sounds like your Miss King was good for you too. Oh, Miss King is precious. She, another great thing about these sister locks, y'all, is like you don't use any, any product. So like as a mom with a, with an African daughter, I would like stand in the beauty product section and be like, well, we're out of this, so maybe I should try this, or I'll try this, or I'll try this. And so it was really fun when she got a, when she was having them done. I was like, go in your bathroom. We're throwing all of this away. All she does to do her hair is, like, spray a little bit of water, and now she gets to use Suave, which, <laughs> God bless America. She has, <laughs> she has the most expensive hair regimen ever, and now I'm like, here's your Suave. Yeah. 99 cents. 99 cents. Oh my gosh, I love it. Uh, and I, your family seems so fun. Um, tell, let's move on and talk a little bit about your podcast because I know you share a lot about your family in your podcast while also exploring other people's families in their lives. So what, um, I know you kind of mentioned like the, uh, the general feel of your podcast, but why, why did you want to start it? And what do you, like what audience do you serve now? Uh, I think I wanted to start it because I was longing for a way to help other women. Um, I remember like early stages of motherhood was really lonely. And even now there's like really lonely seasons. Mm -hmm. And while we're so plugged into social media and everything else, we're still a really lonely people group. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like a funny way to say it. But we are. We're lonely and we're superficial. Um, and so when I looked at my strengths... I, um, my husband gets so frustrated with me because I will just talk to anybody. I will make friends at the grocery store. Um, I worked at a coffee shop for a while and I invited complete strangers over to my house for, for, for dinner. So <laughs> he was like, who's coming over? I'm like, Oh, well they drink like a brevet. And he's like, what are their names? I'm like, yeah, we're going to have to find that out. <laughs> he's like, Oh my gosh, please don't do that. Um, so it was just a matter of like, I really love making friends and I felt like it was something I'm pretty good at. And so I was like, why can't I use this gift that I really do feel like the Lord's given me to just be a little friend that people can like plug in their ears like once a week or binge it if you want, like be connected with somebody or with somebody and with somebody who's going to fill you up and with somebody and some like that's going to encourage you. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like birth out of that. And then, you know, nobody wants to just hear me talking all the time. So my know, favorite pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I'll run out of stories real quick. <laughs> 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 my favorite thing to do is like have coffee with my friends. And so I thought, gosh, like I should do. Um, I feel like I'm like making this sound like I've never heard a podcast that interviews a lot of people interviewing people. And when I was listening to like the happy hour with Jamie Ivy, I was like, I could do that. Like I could talk to people for a living. That sounds like so much fun. And so, um, I was like, yeah, I could totally do that. And so it was like, well, what do you love to do? I love to make friends. Okay. Why do you want to do that? To make people less lonely. Okay. Well, how do you do that? I can sit and introduce two friends and it gives me no greater joy to be like, like, I cannot wait to introduce you, Alex, to my friend Juliana, because y'all are going to get along so well. 
And sometimes there's only the common denominator of knowing the person who introduced you. Yeah. But isn't that such a cool thing when, like, the introducer can, like, sit back and be like, you two love me and I love you. And you're going to make good friends because there's so much more in common here. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it came from where I was like, if I can just sit and have a conversation with a friend, whether it's a new friend, an old friend or whatever, but we can talk and somebody can gain something from those conversations. Um and somebody can be a little less lonely in them, too. So then my hope for it, obviously, is to win awards. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Are there podcasting awards? I don't even know. I think there are. We should, uh, we should like, audition or, you know, what? how do you get in? Like, we could nominate each other. Yes, I'll do it. Okay. It's a, game. It's a deal. Okay. So I'm loving this. I'm like, you guys can't see me, but I'm sitting here just beaming because even though your podcast doesn't cater to just adoptive moms or the adoptive community in general, like mine does, we totally have the same mission. And I think that that's something that that's the reason I started my podcast is I knew how lonely I was in our circumstances. And I was like, is everyone just this miserable and nobody talks Mm -hmm. about it? And I was I was the same way. I was like, no, we're we're not doing that anymore. Like I'm going to be the one that's honest and can stand up and say, "Hey, this really sucks and there's not yeah. even an upside right now." <laughs> like it's yeah. just all sucks. And and uh, and share the wins too. And so I love that. I love that you are saying, "Hey, this doesn't have to keep going. We don't have to just be miserable. We don't have to just isolate ourselves, especially with our culture now with, you know, where everything can be superficial and no one would ever know the difference. And you are saying, no, that's not how we're going to do this. Yeah. Well, because like even just last night I reached out to an internet friend and I was like, Hey, something's wrong. I can't figure out my website. like, something's not connecting here. Something's not doing this. And she was like, we like FaceTimed and she's like, okay, let me Google this. I'm like, I should be able to Google something, but like, there's something so great about community. And I feel like that's what the Lord's really teaching me in this season where it's um it's really easy for me, especially growing a podcast, where I can sit in my office and I can work, 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 and be totally content with that, knowing that I'm doing something I love. But then I like get up and I'm like, oh, I miss my friends. Like, oh my gosh, like a whole day went by and I didn't, I didn't get a text from anybody and I didn't text anybody. Like, how can I be um saying like, let's be all about friendship if I'm not willing to be a friend, and so. It has taken a lot for me to um, friend new people online or to reach out to help for help saying like something's wrong and I can't figure it out. Or like even after I texted that one girl, I had to text another girl where I'm like, I need your help. This is really (laughs) hard for me. And so it's just a matter of, um, yeah, we're not going to sit down and be silent and be lonely. Like that's not healthy. And I think that's something like the enemy wants for us. Mm hmm. Because in our loneliness, that's where all of our shame and all of our guilt and everything kind of come to play. Because I can tell you, if I don't tell anybody like how poorly I treated my kids that day, then that shame will eat at me. But if I have a friend that I can go to, which I do, and you're one, where I'm like, sorry, I just blew up with my children. (laughs) Like, oopsies. And like confess that to you, which I have. Um, It just sits, it sits in festers and that's Mm -hmm. not healthy. Absolutely. And yeah, I I don't know. It just it makes me so happy to see other moms doing this who who don't want 
to live like that anymore. And, you know, honestly, that quote dignity of just keeping it all in and maintaining a, a good, you know, good look to our family and whatever else that doesn't breed good moms at all. Mm-hmm. And and that's my I mean, on this podcast, that's my whole mission is just saying like, hey, we can't be there for our kids if we haven't healed from our own trauma and we haven't opened yeah. up about it and been honest about it. And on your podcast, you do that with guests every single week and you you kind of pull the truth out, not pull the truth out of them like they're refusing, but you know, you gently are like, hey, this is safe. This is, you know, other people yeah. need to hear your story. They need to hear your honesty. They need to hear your life. Yeah, that means a lot that you say that because there was um, a, like a friend and mentor of, of mine that listened early on and she's like, hey, if you stay surface, you're not doing yourself justice or you're not doing your work justice. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh. I'm like, well, how do I ask hard questions? And she's like, she gave me the best advice. If they wrote about it, you can ask them about it. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, like, I'm just nosy. solid advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's times where I totally am, where I'm like, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have asked you that. But then I'm like, well, we're just like, my goal is that it feels and it sounds like, and it is, two friends having coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's not like me tiptoeing around your like kids like that's not real friendship so that's like saying hey did you lose your temper today I did (laughs) (laughs) like it's just real life and I think um while authenticity is like a real buzzword lately um I was talking to another, another friend and she said the same thing like we all want this like authentic like brand and everything she's like but there's also a thing like fake authenticity and Mm -hmm. so we have to be really um mindful about being fake in our authenticity and being really genuine in it too. That's such an interesting concept because it's like sharing the hard stuff that only you want to share, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, It's, I, I feel like I could continue talking to you for a long time and I'm so (laughs) glad that you and I have like another side project going on. And you know what, by the time that I, that we will launch this, it will have, it will be out. So yeah, we get to record really fun episodes that's just two adoptive moms talking about I mean it's not dumb it's actually very important but it is well because we like even our our last conversation like we like we actually should start recording our Marco Polos (laughs) (laughs) because those get really deep (laughs) really solid theology too Um, they do actually yeah no that for real and so I think it's it's the lightheartedness of friendship. I mean, yes. we bonded over being adopted moms, but we have so much more in common. So much fun. And so, yeah, I, I love talking to you. Um, do you, are you ready for some of these closing questions? Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Okay. So what do you wish that someone had grabbed you by the shoulders, looked you in the eye and told you before you started this adop- adoptive journey, adoption journey? Yeah. Adoption. journey. <laughs> Prepare for the worst. Um, hope for the best. Mm, that's good. I think that that's really good advice. I wish that someone had told me that too because I really wanted to have those rose-colored glasses on. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to be like, it's going to be so awesome. And I didn't – even when I thought about the hard times, I still wanted to paint a pretty picture over it. Like, oh, but yeah, yeah. but I love adoption, so it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Um, okay, so what is something you wish you had done differently, aside from having your husband there the first six months? <laughs> yeah, oh. um, I think, like I said, the first six months are a total blur. One thing that's not a blur was every bedtime. 
bedtime was so hard and so dark and so um, isolating when it comes down to it. Like, nobody else could do bedtime but me. Um, and so that meant me laying in bed in the dark a lot with her. And it was mm. really hard. And she's like a fidgeter. And she's like a mouth noiser. Like, she makes a ton of mouth noises when she falls asleep. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And nothing sets me off faster than that. Like, this wiggling. And now I've come to realize I think she has restless leg syndrome. <laughs> and I'm like a terrible mom because I would, like, spank her bottom. Like, stop me. Stop me. And so I think <laughs> if I could go back and do anything differently, I would go. I would make a point to go into every bedtime with worship music on. Ooh. even in my earbuds because she can't hear it so it doesn't matter yeah. so I would have just put earbuds in so I can't hear her weird mouth noises I think I, I think that's the one thing I would do differently yeah I, I'm loving your answers because they're different they're really unique but that reminds me so sometimes when my kids are freaking out like the witching hours you know like your husband's like I'll be home in 10 and then 20 minutes later you're like I'm about to cut you get yeah. here and it was one. Of, it's like in those moments that I just start singing worship songs really loudly. I think that's when my kids are like, "Okay, we need to back off." She's losing it. I'm like, "Take me deeper." Yeah, I want to sing. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Your hands are just up in the air, like, oh. <laughs> that's how I envision. Please t- send me a video. Oh, this. I will. One time, Brian came home and I had uh, the print. I've had prince of peace just on repeat on alexa and he was like so it's been that kind of day huh (laughs) alexa how many times have you played this song (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't even say anything he's like so it's been that bad huh (laughs) that's like yes take them take them away what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you through your adoption story so i always say like my best friend juliana um forced us out of the house there were so many times that I would say, like, she'd be like, hey, come here and do this. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's a little hard, you know, with, with Zoe. And so she really, like, was like, no, don't be that way. Like, like, I'm like, well, she's deaf. She doesn't want to go to the concert. And she's like, she will love the concert. Come on. Or, um, like, she'll love the lights. Like, come out. Um, so she, like, and it was that was after the cocooning process, obviously. But she, um really pulled us out of a funk I think like it could have been a pretty deep funk but she didn't allow it to happen that's a good friend right there like the one who can be there and understand but also pull you out of your comfort zone but she said so there's this phenomenal book out right now um written by an adoptive mom but it's a fiction novel or it's a novel I don't know it's called no one ever asked it is one of the best books in the world. I think everybody should read it. It's by Katie Ganshert. Her daughter's adopted from Congo. She's actually a guest on my podcast on like episode, I don't know, seven. Um, but in the book, she talked like the the adoptive. There's an adoptive mom character, and her dialogue that runs through her head is phenomenal, mm. so good. And so Juliana read that book, and she was like, "There was so much," because I I told her like. This girl nailed it. Like, I have thought these things. When you read it, you're going to know. And so I, she was like, I had no idea. I, had, I didn't think about so many of these things. And I was like, yeah, there's so much in there that is just, if you're not in it, you don't know it. That's a, so. I mean, I'll say it again. That's a good friend. Like, that she's going to oh, read yeah. a book for you. That's yeah. awesome. That's so she's cool. She's the best. So on the flip side of that, 
what is a way that you were hurt or misunderstood by by your people? Um, I think they had the best of intentions in like dropping food off, but it's really easy to do that. Um, like drop food at the door and run. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we had some people who were awesome and who came in with bags of groceries, um, and who would come in and stay and sit and eat with us. Um, but then we had people who dropped food at the door and just bolted. Yeah. And so that was kind of a hard time because it was like, oh, we totally, like, we weren't those people who needed food dropped off. Zoe was doing so well, so fast. And so we were like, oh, you left us. Oh, like, we just wanted community so bad. Yeah. And, um, you can't, like, chase somebody down (laughs) fast enough. But on that note, okay, I have... I have to say this to anyone listening because I get a lot of support system members who listen to the podcast too. But yeah. if you're an adoptive mom and I'm preaching myself, but be honest about what you need because there are yeah. people like Jeanette and I who are Jeanette and me, I guess that would be more grammatically correct. But we like want to talk to people. We need that. We crave it. We're like, please don't leave me. I'm Even if here. it was just five minutes of yeah. coming in and being like, hey, we love you. Me being like, oh, phew, we're not forgotten. I feel like that's... Right. While they were bringing us food, I still felt like I was removed from all my social social circles that I felt forgotten. Yeah. But then there are also – there are adoptive moms or just people in general who are like, okay, thanks, bye. You know, like they yeah, – don't come in. Don't offer food. Like right. just leave it at the door. Yeah. That, so as an adoptive mom, be honest. Like tell people what yeah. you need as far as community goes because we definitely had those people that were like, do you want us to like stay and eat with you? And, I, and they were shocked when I was like, yes, please. But – yeah. And then on the flip side, as a, you know, as a support system, ask those questions. Be like, hey, do you need people right now or do you need alone time right now? And don't just mm-hmm. assume because sometimes people want you to stay and eat with them. Well, I think even a point person to say like, hey, today was a really rough day for them. Just drop food and go. Yeah. Um, uh, or like, um, hey, today was a great day. Like they would, you know, they would love for you to come in and, and see Zoe and stuff like that. There was, um, also we did so many things wrong, but like one of my favorite things was, <laughs> um, we had like a baby shower for Zoe. Oh, that's so cool. After she came home. Cause we, we didn't have a girl, like we didn't know anything. And so she, people still say, and it's just the most precious thing. Um, she was sitting on somebody's fireplace mantle, man, fireplace, not mantle, mantles on top, right? <laughs> she the hearth, sitting, right? Isn't that what no. it's called? The hearth? She's sitting by the fireplace <laughs> with present, and she would open a present, and she would hold it up against her eyes and mouth wide open, hold it up, oh my gosh, and then whoever it was from, I would say, oh, it's from them, and point to them, and she would run over and hug, and she was always the most gracious little thing. It was Aww. so precious. She's pretty She's cute. not like that anymore. She's so American. <laughs> Lost it. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I can imagine that that would happen, but that's really that's cute. So, okay. If you were to sum it all up, what's your biggest piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive families? Is Okay. So is this for people who are, have adopted or wanting to adopt? Girl, answer's choice. Gosh. Okay. So if you're wanting to adopt, um, engage your community. Mm. Um, don't do it alone. You will need support the entire time. And I think... I think this I think it's the same for for the other side like engage your community like and if you don't have one find one there's so many great adoptive communities that um that are out there like within churches or um even like 
counseling centers know of other adoptive families. Like, because, believe it or not, you need counseling after you adopt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so much. <laughs> and so I think engage your community for both of those. I think um, we are lost if we try to do this alone. Mm. And there's so many times where um, where I have to kind of sift through, like, is this an adoptive issue? Is this a seven-year-old little girl issue? Is this an issue just because you're a sassy little girl? Is this an issue that came from your abandonment? Like, I have to, like, sift through these things. And luckily, I have a friend who has a little girl adopted the same age as Zoe. So I can go to her and be like, okay, what what, what am I looking at? What am I dealing with? Um, so I think engage your community, honestly. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great answer. And I think it's... Um there's so many layers to that because you can just say engage yeah. your community and that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. And I think all of them are correct. You know, yeah. uh, all of them combined probably are correct. Yeah. I think the, uh, I just can't imagine doing it alone. Like mm-hmm. I think to do it alone is where so many fail and so many um, hurt. Like yeah. I just can't imagine. Or just trying to do it alone and trying to, push down the feelings that you have. I think that yeah, I love that advice as well. Just to not just to admit how you feel because it's not wrong to feel that way. It's, it's wrong to push it down and pretend it doesn't exist, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. As much as I like, this is what I would say. I keep saying throughout the entire interview, I could just keep on talking to you, but I mean, people out there need to see cute pictures of your kids. So we need to find out where we can find those. Um, I am on Instagram too much of my day. Um, So it's (laughs) at Jeanette Tapley. Um, Or you can check out my website, which has like blogs and um, show notes mostly for my podcast, but um, also family photos there, which is JeanetteTapley.com. And then on Facebook... I know. On Facebook, I'm the Jeanette Tapley, but that seems meh. And it's mostly just stuff from Instagram, so you're better off at Instagram, (laughs) if I'm being honest. And your podcast is called? It's Time for Coffee. Yay. Where? And I love your, uh, your, like, little catchphrase. Oh, (laughs) grab a cup, fill it up with whatever you want, and let's dive in. I love it. And so, yeah, you guys should definitely check out her episode. I um, I did an episode for her podcast as well, and it's just been so fun collaborating with Jeanette. Mm. And she always has such wise words, so definitely check out her podcast, and you can find that on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or on her website, JeanetteTapley.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey and he is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.